Welcome to another episode of the Astro Podcast. Today we have with us Eduardo Rodriguez, who is the director of the Center, uh, the Interuniversitary Center for the, for the History of Science and Technology. Quite a complicated name. <laughs> <laughs> If it was in Portuguese, it would be easier to say it, uh, the, which is a SUCT as for short. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Glad to have you aboard. Uh, today we are in a more um, green <laughs> yes, space. <laughs> a green space um, instead of our usual uh, filming in with Zoom and with the with the internet. Um, and this also relates to your research, which has been mainly on gardens. Yeah. Can you explain that uh, first, please? Yes, so um, I've been studying gardens um, for more than a decade now, and uh, I have begun this uh, research through the eyes of history of art, and then I changed in five, six years ago, um, because it is a multidisciplinary field, so it is quite easy to do it. Uh, so I changed to the history of science, and since then I'm approaching this topic through the eyes and through the methodology of the history of science and technology. So you're shifting from as a, the garden as a space of beauty, uh, mm -hmm. art, yes. to uh, the garden. Uh, what, the, what is the scientific uh, structures Science. and yeah. background that is behind the construction of the garden? In fact, I think that uh, when you look at, at a garden through the artistic um, uh, perspective, um, it ends quite uh, um, quite soon because you study who was the landscape architect, what is the design, uh, what are the decorative elements. On the other side, if you look at the garden through the history of science and technology, It's like a window open to the world. Well, it is always. In fact, I'm not being that fair um, because a garden can be a window for you to look at the planet, to study environmental questions if you want, um, to study philosophical questions if you want. Um, but in fact, to, through the perspective of history of science and technology, I can look at it as a laboratory. And uh, from there, um, it has been very unexpected and Uh, a very uh, interesting research. It's in fact now it's my most my mainstream <laughs> topic of research. You don't go a lot of research. <laughs> Great. Um, and um, what were your? Shall I ask this? What surprised you when you shift from one perspective to the other? Uh, for well, it's more rich uh, for, from my perspective. So it has uh, much more topics to approach. I can go from the past to very um, up-to-date questions from today uh, of today. And for example, I can um, establish bridge bridges with almost all the disciplines, and that is for me the most interesting thing. Mm -hmm. For example, even with astrology. For example, if we talk about Um, astrological agriculture, which is one of the 
uh, long lifespan fields of astrology indeed, since Babylonian times up until the 19th century and not until the 17th century as usually it is. But uh, um, I've studied a lot of almanacs of the late 18th century and 19th century uh, which were for farmers, for horticulturists, for gardeners, and here published in Portugal. And because they, it's, well, it is a very ancient observation that um, when they looked at the sunflower that follows the sun, and they have always believed that, in fact, um, botany was ruled somehow by the moon because it has, it had influence on the water the underground water, so it would have impact on the growth of plants. So uh, that will um, last up until the, well, I think up until today in some in fields, way, yeah. in a certain way, but for sure at a almost scientific level, mm -hmm. uh, up until the 19th century, it was, um, it was most of the manuals, guides, um, almanacs would uh, tell you this kind of information. That, oh, in fact, that's why gardeners and uh, farmers would buy, buy them. So, um, yeah, this is very interesting because um, we, all, we always know that by well, late 16th, early 17th century, astrology gets constricted by the church to uh, the topics of agriculture, of course, mm. navigation and medicine. And these yeah, yeah. are the ones that are supposed to be used and only these are valid. Yeah. And navigation in itself is quite explanatory, and there's not many connections there. Of course, medicine will be a field which will be long-lasting until the 18th century uh, as well, although in a much different perspective. But agriculture, aside from astrometeorology, which is always it's never quite explored. At least I have never seen. Uh, an expert. It's not a field that I'm familiar with, of course, course. So I might be missing something completely obvious, yes. but uh, I have never seen uh, a deep exploration. How? Because probably, maybe it hasn't been that explored, because the people that write about gardens and agriculture, or about these fields, do not know anything about astrology. In fact, I have written about the almanacs, but through a completely different perspective. I was uh, approaching treatises on gardening since the early modern period and how they were so, uh, how they circulated mm -hmm. in Portugal. Yes. This in the early modern period. And then I understood, okay, but there, there is a totally different ki kind of books, smaller, for a larger public that appear in the late 18th century. And so I thought, so let's, I, I was interested, okay, now we have a totally different kind of books from, uh, from treatises. Treatises were for the elites, published in the early modern period, and now we have these books for gardeners, but for a larger, uh, and this was the starting point for my study of uh, José Marcos Loureiro, who was the publisher of the uh, Journal de Articultura Pratica, okay, a very famous uh, journal in Portugal, very famous and very good. Um, but all that began, so this, uh, this um, will of um, publishing for a larger public, this began in the late 18th century with almanacs. 
And so I was studying this, as you see, from the perspective of history of book, yeah. of books, yeah. of ancient books, and not to, not because I now I've seen that there is a very strong bridge with astrology. Maybe we should look at them together. Yes, yes, that would be interesting. <laughs> Again, yeah. that would also answer a question that if, if it hasn't been asked, it hasn't been explored extensively, which is what happened to astrology in Portugal in the 18th and 19th century? There is no history. Well, we don't have really a concise history of astrology in Portugal uh, yet, but we really don't know much of what, what happened to the practices within the 18th century. Okay, but I, I can tell you that astronomers, they they uh, they write about themselves as as being astronomers mm -hmm. they are doing these books these almanacs these small books which are delicious because they in portuguese it is delicious the title mm -hmm. like manual para um, agricultores pumareiros so those that have groves <laughs> like orange groves or something like that uh, and gardeners so they say um, agricultores pumareiros <laughs> so it is really interesting um, so they are delicious books so we should maybe look at them together and they say that they are astronomers doing that and okay. so they are uh, like it's a kind of guide so that uh, they will tell you when it is the best season to do some kind of activity in gardens or in farms and they will do this um, month by month so they will have that astronomical um, details of the moons and uh, uh, seasons. Everything yeah, about the moon, okay. everything. Yeah, yeah, that, that will be interesting to explore. Uh, I think that's a worthwhile exploring <laughs> aspect to see exactly how astrology is implied and what's the role yes, of the place. And, uh, and what kind of wisdom is behind yes. that kind of that books? Because, of course, I was only reading what they tell about agriculture and yeah. the gardening. Uh, but uh, I would like to know, in fact, how, how expert were they in mm -hmm. astronomy astrology? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And how it's applied, uh, really, that's interesting, how it's applied, because we know that from books, um, uh, well, the principles of botanics, uh, books on plants and herbs, like Kupemper's Complete Herbal, which has the characteristics of the planets of each herb, yeah. so it makes a connection between herbs and medicine, medical properties coming from the planets and the attributes. Uh, but now we're talking about more practical application of when do you yes. plant it, Absolute. when do you collect it, and how for does that harvesting, work? for uh, seedling, everything, sowing. Which is a long tradition because I was thinking also um, of the Nebatian. Yes, no, this has, comes from ancient yes. times, but this is. As I was telling, even if in the 17th century, for example, in England, astrology is no more considered like a field of knowledge mm -hmm. as astronomy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Then, for example, with agriculture, it's not like that. It goes at least up until the 19th century. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it, it is considered. Yes, so considered and used. Yes. So. <laughs> Something to move yeah, forward to, to, to looking attentively, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, because uh, indeed it's, it's a field, I think, needs exploration. Agriculture, this, this astrology and agriculture, how does that maintain itself? Uh, I think, it, well, for example, the properties of the plants, 
that you have were talking about, for example, as the sunflower that is ruled by the sun. Mm -hmm. That's why the sunflower yeah. follows the sun. Uh, but for example, I think the the strongest connection between uh, uh, the planets and uh, agriculture is the moon and its influence or the belief of its influence on water on, on yeah. the groundwater and because of that uh, then it will rule all the plant growth yeah exactly it will limit and, and, and command all plant growth that's interesting oh. <laughs> the new line of fuel Interesting to so you see, this is the the most interesting thing about gardens. I have a topic to talk with everybody. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's always a bridge. There's yeah. always something in a garden, something that appears there. For example, another thing that I was talking with Elena the other day uh, is about cosmogonies or cosmos or representations of cosmos in gardens that are very strong in the early modern period. Mm -hmm. And we have two major cases uh, in Portugal. The Palace of Fronteira, which is uh, probably the most acknowledged garden in Portugal because it's, it is one of the most beautiful gardens of the world of the 17th century. <laughs> and then we have another one, which is the Palace of the Bishop of uh, Castel Branco, so more to the north. And uh, it also has the same kind of construction. Uh, and so here you have these gardens still followed um, the design of the Villa di Castel di Medici in the surroundings of Florence. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they have like this square, which is still a very Renaissance uh, design and not a Baroque as we could expect in the 17th or 18th century. Um, so you have this square and this square um, tells you that you have this limited li limitness, mm -hmm. uh, which is something important in cosmogonies. And here you are going to recreate the world. Mm -hmm. uh, the world is here. Uh, so uh, beyond the iconological uh, message that we have at the Palace of Frontera, which is quite rare in the garden. In the garden, we usually have um, examples of decorum, which is the subjects that are uh, appropriated to a certain context. This is something that was established in Renaissance uh, and uh, um, guides all the iconography, almost all iconography. When it does not respect, when you find a topic, a subject, uh, in a place that does not follow this, that was established by Armenini in a Renaissance treatise, then you have to ask, what is the message of the patron? What is behind it? And uh, this uh, is not... Uh, so, iconological readings uh, are... Um, you cannot always do that in a garden. Because what you always, most of the time, have there are the proper subjects. So, you have a Flora, a Pomona, a Venus, a Ceres, the goddess of agriculture. In a garden, it's it's what it is expected. <laughs> if you find there something that is beyond this, then you have to ask why are they there. And so at the Palace of Frontera you have, it was built just after the, uh, the Restoration War, so the war between the Spanish and the Portuguese between 1640 40 and 1668. 
Um, and so it, the political issue at that time was very strong. And so Don João Mascarenhas, the Marquis of Fronteira, makes it clear that the monarchy, the Portuguese monarchy, can only exist while there is uh, a nobility to support it. That is just like this in front of the water mirror. It's clear. But then you have the pleasure garden, so you have dancers, Venus, Apollo, all in the parterre. It is a pleasure garden. And then you have one thing more, which is this reconstruction of the world. So like time and space are there. It's a closed space, closed by the square. It has a wall all around. And then it is divided, it is symmetrical. It has a certain order, like gardens um, usually want to have, because this is what um, this is the, the boundary between them and wilderness, so natura natura. Uh, and so you have here this order, and you have like all the activities that occur each month, all the signs of the zodiac, and then the planets that rule all this, so the, the sun and the moon. So you see, so and this kind of construction then will also appear um, at Castel Branco, at the palace of the bishop uh, in Castel Branco, uh, in a different way. There you don't have, because all this is depicted uh, in on tiles, probably made from engravings that the Marquis of Fronteira had in his library, which are still there. So the library, this is a very unique case because the Palace of Fronteira is still in the same family since it was uh, built. Uh, so you still have in the library their books, the books from the 17th century, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and the engravings, all, all that. We see also a lot of mistakes when the when they are writing, the artists are writing, so we understand that those were not very educated artists, mm -hmm. probably artisans to whom yeah. the Marquis gave the engravings and yeah, so they could reproduce. <laughs> so it's a very interesting story. So at the Palace of the Bishop, we do, we do not have this, um, this um, engrave, these designs uh, depicted uh, on tiles, but we have sculptures, sculptures of granite. Mm -hmm. And we have also these a medieval uh, way of uh, seeing the world, which is with all the um, four seasons, four elements, yeah. uh, uh, four parts of the world, four doctors of the church, yeah. four cardinal virtues. So you have all yeah. this there. So, and the structure, the, the structure yeah. is built with this. So this is also um, interesting to um, maybe to to check if it has uh, some breaches with the uh, in the case of Frontera is more obvious because you have the planets there the uh, the signs of zodiac uh, but I also think that in Castel Branco um, this kind of order everything is divided into four uh, then it has something. Uh, also connected with the signs of the zodiac. There are 12, but then they can be divided into. Yeah. Well, there, there is definitely a cosmological message uh, uh, yes, uh, there, <laughs> in which the four plays part. It's not as explicit as yes. with the planets, yes, but it is. It's there. It's there in any way. And they're more or less the same period, as you said? Not really. In fact, the, the Palace of Frontera, uh, well, 
1780. So we are talking about uh, um, 1670s, yes, and the other um, 17 uh, between 1725 and 36. Well, but already in the reign of King John V. Yeah, and it is as it is made by uh, a bishop. Then, besides this, uh, it has a lot of um, uh, religious iconography, as it is expected. So. And I was curious: Have you ever seen any in the almanacs you, you were talking about? Um, well, here we have an explicit connection not to astrology through cosmology yeah. with the planets. But have you ever seen mentions of the planets um, in almanacs that you studied? Uh, yes, I think, uh, yes, I'm sure. I don't have here the book because I brought it mm -hmm. and it was because it's there. Yes, we can, because they are really interesting and they it's 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 said there. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, the planets are included. Okay, well, perfect, perfect. And the, the moon, everything about the moon. Of course, yeah. Well, it's very interesting. I think it's... Um, Oh, it is. I think it's a very nice way to to show um, how astrology. Uh, it is something that we have passed on uh, through our various podcasts, interviews, and research. Astrology is embedded in almost uh, uh, yes. every worldview uh, of this period of the three modern. Yes, I, 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 in fact, I was convinced that it was um, convinced. I was convinced that astrology was seen as a field of knowledge, mm -hmm. as astronomy, as yeah. maths, and as all the others since Babylonian times up until the 17th century. I think mm -hmm. this is what we think. But then I recalled, I remembered my almanacs, mm -hmm. well, not in agriculture. And then I read something about uh, um, astrological agriculture. And well, okay, but in Portugal, it is up until the 19th century. Uh, so, and I think, in fact, in agriculture, it is the long lifespan of astrology as um, as a knowledge that is considered uh, a support. A, a support, uh, yeah. yes, and uh, useful. Yeah. Uh, um, so, when for other fields, it was already when astronomers were a different career from astrology up. Um, yeah, since the 17th century, but I think it's in fact with Newton that okay, now we have a different universal law. Mm -hmm. So things yes, shift it's, it's, it's shifted yes. completely, yeah. um, completely. Or we see or still. Um, it's not a period that I'm completely familiar, but we do still see uh, astrology, uh, some remnant of astrology in in astrometriology, so yes, they still establish some connections uh, with moon cycles, mainly and sun mm -hmm. cycles, which then develop, develops into meteorology as we know it today, um, but still with some planetary association mm -hmm. and with some astrological association. We have medicine, mm -hmm. which it goes, yes. runs throughout yes, the 18th because of century. childbirth, yeah. isn't it? Because many people still also, because of the water, yeah, uh, the same reason. The same reason they thought that uh, okay, it has some influence There's on some physiological yes, influence uh, always present. Uh, but then, of course, when what concerns predictions uh, and uh, predictions on fate, that is completely marginalized. Of course, it's mm -hmm. still 
being done in other in some types of almanacs, but it's no longer within the range of acceptable scientific knowledge. Yes, or useful. Yeah, but yes. then we have also agriculture, which uh, so it seems that it does yes, stay on. up until the first, or up until the middle of the 19th century is for sure, because I have studied the almanacs and they're yeah. all about that. No, that's, that's very interesting. That's, uh, I think that's, again, as I said before, a good path to explore and see what With gardens, which was so unexpected. <laughs> yeah. But I think also that um, one of the main, one of the most interesting points about astrology is in fact um, in Renaissance. Mm -hmm. Because in Renaissance, when we think about Renaissance, about humanists and that they have this encyclopedical knowledge, um, so they study, they know from astrology to religion, they know from mathematics to sculpture, they yeah. know everything. Uh, yes. When they were writing about Alberti, nobody knew uh, to, if they should write if he if, if was a scientist or an artist. What is Leonardo da Vinci? Yes, yeah. So, uh, and there, in that period, I think, then astrology can bridge, uh, can, can establish bridges with all these fields of knowledge, which is the richest thing. But of course, we can go up until the 19th century yes. with agriculture. <laughs> and probably until the present time, because I think yes, there I must be some that... practices and variances still today that use that, that type of knowledge yeah. and try to, to revive it. It's, it's but for, if I have the almanacs up until the 19th century, which are very considered, for example, then it is uh, um, also the starting point of agronomy mm -hmm. as a field yeah. of yeah. academic study. And so maybe it's then we have two different paths, one that still uses almanacs and then the other one that has more scientific ambitions. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we have covered a lot of terrain <laughs> and it was very interesting to, to find out more about this connection. Uh, it wasn't expected. <laughs> yes, I imagine. It's yes. like I say, gardens, with gardens, we can, we can go world everywhere. Literally. Thank you very much uh, thank for being with thank us. Thank you for the invitation. Congratulations for your project. I wish you the best of luck here in this research center uh, and uh, abroad. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you very much.